Happy Tuesday. Why, hello everybody. It is Tuesday, isn't it? It is. Today is the 3rd of July, which means in this nation, tomorrow is a big, loud holiday that we're all mostly excited about, and it's very, <laughs> very good. And, um, and it's beautiful today, and we're having a yeah. marvelous day. Yeah, we are having a great day. It's been very busy. We have been... Um, from place to place, I just realized I am so behind on my text messages because I have been driving. I don't text in the car. And uh, when I've gotten to a stopping point, I've been getting to have an incredible conversation, meeting with somebody. And we we got to have a really cool one this afternoon that you'll get to hear more about. But what we're seeing is just Papa is doing a gathering it really is. He is just doing a gathering. He is bringing people together right now. And it's it can be surprising. It can be someone you've never met or somebody that you have known that you, you know, haven't seen or talked to. But he is really just, I think, knitting hearts in a very unique way. And he's giving dreams. And he's given visions. And he is doing things so that when we encounter each other, we know it's him. And that is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. And, and so many doors opening, so many, um, returns happening, so many, um, uh, new sprouts for harvest taking place. It's just amazing all that God is doing. And so we're in awe pretty much around the clock right now. Yeah. And we have just started Immersion 8. Yes, we did. And uh, it's Immersion 8, because last summer we didn't do a full immersion, we did dunks. So yes. this one counts as 8, and we're just, we're astounded that that's, that that's the case. And we have, I think, 11 uh, people in this immersion, and so it's just really exciting. It's an awesome group of people, and we, we're just excited to get to spend time with them. We are. They are getting the... Um the five-week immersion, which means that we're doing all seven weeks in five weeks. So um, it's fun to watch them write as fast as they're writing, and it's fun to sort of experience it as we, um, as we just move at the speed of the light of His presence. And, um, but it's written really, really amazing. Yeah. We have heard that the video cast we recorded recently are soon to be on the website, so Ooh. we're excited about that. They're in the final editing stages. Uh, stages. So uh, we recorded 16. I don't know how it translates to how many get put on, because some got combined with each other and that kind of thing, but quite a few. So if you haven't watched the old ones, you might want to do that, because you're yeah. going to have a whole new slew to be watching now. You don't get behind because yeah. you need to be caught up at all times. Yeah, the barn is just, oh, it is busy over there. Man, it is. Yeah, I'm trying, I haven't even gone over like this week because it's, I just feel like I will be in the way of all the amazing things happening. Well, and we should have our certificate of occupancy next week. And so yeah. um, that means lots happening here, moving into the new building and, um, Lots happening to get ready for August Rush. Yeah. And my goodness, a lot of you are coming. Oh, my Woo-hoo! gracious. Heavens yes. to Betsy. We're so excited. There's uh, record numbers of leaders coming from all over and lots of amazing people that we're so excited to see. It's going to be like a wedding 
where you're yeah. totally overwhelmed because everybody in people. that place yeah. is someone you love. So there's going to be more hugging in August than you've ever had before. So prepare. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. So we've got questions. We do. That we are still not done answering yet because yeah. there were so many. Yeah. And I've got one here that uh, we can go through first. Sure. Because we're going to do some answers. So this question came in and it's asking about uh, concepts of the New Testament and whether they are in the Old Testament or not. And so we're looking at concepts such as love and eternal life uh, or the devil and hell. And so what we want to do is, is, is talk about just very quickly how some of these things are, in fact, in the Old Testament. And it was actually the Sadducees who really struggled with these concepts and did not believe that they were uh, profound in the Old Testament, specifically the, the concept of the grave and, and therefore the concept of resurrection. And so Jesus, of course, uh, corrected that, but, um, but it's good for us just to do even a high-level review of some of these Old Testament concepts. So, of course, we know that uh, when Jesus referenced the greatest commandments, he was talking about love. Love is the greatest commandment. So he quoted Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, which is, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And so now the first thing Jesus says to us is, Love God. And then, of course, in Leviticus 19, 18, he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. So we have the idea that love is the greatest commandment. Now, of course, Jesus came and made the love of God available to us, brought the love of God available to us as unconditional. And so when he teaches and says the greatest commandments are love God and love each other, he's saying the greatest commandment is love. And this is all an Old Testament concept or a scriptural concept coming from the Torah. And uh, Jesus is quoting these to emphasize that God is love and God is all about love. So then the concept of eternal life actually helps us on both sides of the equation. Um, Psalm 49 verse 14 tells us that selfish people, and I think that's incredible because of the things God has said to us, you know, that God is love and love is not self-seeking. And Jesus said to us, take up your cross daily and deny yourself. And all of these um, ways that we've been taught to uh, become love, part of that is laying down our selfishness. And so Psalm 49 verse 14 says that the selfish ones will die and decay in the grave, or they will decay and die in the grave. And so uh, there is a grave concept in the Old Testament there. And really, of course, hell in the New Testament is uh, referring to uh, a place where, where dead things were burned. And um, so you, you have sort of the grave in Hinnon, which is the, the, the place in Israel and, and thereby the city that was um, Jesus' reference for the word hell, uh, and that this is the grave, this is the place of fire that um, takes away the, the bacterial side of uh, death. And so 
Psalm 49, 14, selfish ones will decay and die in the grave. But verse 15, God will redeem the righteous from the grave and take us to himself. So there's a very clear concept here of the grave and a clear concept of God taking his people to himself. Isaiah 26, 19, uh, the dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. So I'm not sure how the Sadducees uh, missed the resurrection, but it was there all along. Um, And a couple of classics here that we've talked about, Daniel 7, verse 14 says that his dominion is everlasting and his kingdom will never pass away. So the kingdom of God we know is everlasting and will not pass away. Then in verse 27, that this everlasting kingdom and dominion are handed over to the saints. So we have a very clear Old Testament reference to eternal life. Um, in in the in the Bible, and then and then the uh, world famous one that Paul uh, did a great job of uh, of quoting in the New Testament, Hosea thirteen fourteen. I will deliver this people from the power of the grave, grave, and that was death. Where is your sting? Uh, you know, where is the power in the grave? And the answer is is that God has taken it away for His people. And then you know, as so that's love, and that's uh, the concept of being with God forever, and the concept of uh, decaying and dying in the grave, that selfishness decays and dies. And then the last thing is, is Satan is, of course, in numerous places in the Old Testament. First uh, Chronicles 21, verse 1, we've quoted in the Terraforming books, uh, which is where Satan incited Israel and King David to take a uh, census. And, of course, in the First uh, Samuel version of this, uh, or Second Samuel version of this, David actually is moved upon by God to take that uh, census. So you can read all about that in the terraforming books. And then, of course, the book the book of Job, chapters 1 and 2, Satan accuses Job, and we all know that story. And then Zechariah 3, uh, Satan actually accuses the high priest Joshua, and his clothing was filthy. And uh, so the angel of the Lord took that filthy clothing off of him and put clean clothes on him, and that, that symbolized what was coming, and that the branch, which of course is the branch of uh, Jesse or David, uh, which is Jesus, the Messiah, would um, would be the uh, part that brings forth that clean clothes being brought to the priests. So uh, Zechariah 3 gives us an incredible picture of um, how the evil one accuses and how by the branch we overcome that accusation and are given clean clothes. You just can't beat it. Yeah. Pretty slick. Yeah. So it's all there. Yeah. And I think uh, part of the question, too, was about that it seemed like there was uh, demons are talked about in the New Testament and not the Old Testament, but that is, uh, there is conversation about demons in the Old Testament. In fact, um, it's, you'll be able to say the scripture reference, but it says not to invoke their names, not to say the names. Of demons. Of demons. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exodus twenty three thirteen. Yeah, so that was the Old Testament. And of course, uh, there were different people whose stories we, we read of in scripture, like uh, Hezekiah. And he was a boy during the time of sacrifices to certain demons where the firstborns were being sacrificed and um, that kind of thing. And so it is, that is uh, discussed pretty widely in the Old Testament as well. Yes. All right. So our next question was basically, can you terraform your pets? 
And so what, what that means when someone says, can you terraform, what that means to me is, can you call in the light and see what's going on? Can you forgive uh, someone and see restoration come? Can you ask for daily bread? You know, that kind of thing related to your pet. So I would say yes to that. Um, if you have something going on with your pet, my favorite with this is the kids because they they just don't think, why would you ever not be able to pray for your pet? Um, but we've had kids um, that maybe they're uh, one, I know one testimony in particular, uh, the cat, they had a pet cat and it was just scratching and scratching and scratching, uh, you know, the family. And so they did, they prayed for the cat and they... Um, saw the scratching stop. Um, we have a, a dog that has had a lot of struggle, and uh, it was uh, she was a rescue dog. And so we have often um, utilized the keys uh, to pray for her. So knowing just the trauma that she had, we could tell, you know, there was a wound that she was reacting to over and over. So we would call in the light to that and and saw that she had been severely hurt before the rescue. And um, we uh, have forgiven, you know, the people that, that hurt her and caused that wound for her that she, you know, maybe didn't expect things to be any different. And then, um, you know, we will ask for daily bread sometimes uh, for her in particular because she she did come from trauma. We were able to rescue her. We just need the daily bread for her and and how do we minister to her that day how do we pray for her that day or interact with her that day and um and the lord will reveal that to us sometimes um recently um we just really needed to ask for an advocate for her and that was our daily bread that's what we saw in the light was we needed an advocate for her and we found one and everything we'd been praying just came to fruition for her, and she's just in a totally different place. So, yeah, I think um, each uh, pet, each uh, type of pet, um, and then the pet themselves has a covenant, and, and the Lord has for us to discover that and to see those things that keep them from walking in that covenant and the covenant in our family and, and allows us to see that redeemed. That's right on. Yeah. All right, so then um, our next question is, essentially it was about, you know, when you've had a prayer appointment, so, um, you know, everyone listening may not have had a a prayer appointment through uh, the ministry of Blue Flame, and so um, what that looks like is someone will will have prayer and, um, and have, through the prayer, just a new land open to them. So like a land within themselves, a place they haven't been able to explore or occupy because it was kind of bound by the wound. And so the question was, once you've walked through an app, um, what, what do you do when a habit shows up? And, uh, and I think there's, that's a great question. There's a couple of, of answers to that. And one is to realize you know, I always think of it when we're told to take our thoughts captive. So I don't know a place um, in Scripture where it says we won't have thoughts. You know, the enemy is always going to be coming uh, towards us with thoughts, but we're told that we can actually take them captive. That's one of the ways our mind is renewed. We come back to, you know, what he's saying. And 
um, what we know to be true of the Lord. But so it can it can kind of throw us if all of a sudden, you know, we've had an app and we've got kind of the the bliss of that app and just the realization of what the wound was and what uh, manifestations were coming from that. And then something familiar comes up or, you know, a habit comes up and it can be, oh, a habit came up so I'm not healed. But the healing, the way that we occupy the land so fully is that we now have in us, in that healed place, the power to overcome that habit that we didn't have before we got prayer. And so um, we don't have to be thrown if a habit shows up or, uh, you know, a, a familiar pattern. It's now we have the power of healing in us that through um, that reconciliation in our in our soul and spirit and that kind of thing that we can now overcome, we can choose differently related to that habit. And so when something like that comes up, we get to say, oh, wait, I'm different now. I can, I'm going to occupy this land by actually overcoming the habit, you know, instead of needing it to go away and never overcoming it. I actually get to overcome it, and then it's not going to come, you know, once once we've walked in that victory. You know, and, and <clears throat> it's cool that we <clears throat> get to work this walk this journey together. And there's a, a, a part in some some of habit um, uh, journeying and, and the process of overcoming a habit where having accountability mm-hmm. um, in your family or uh, in in the the brothers or sisters that are around you, um, a spouse, a person that God has called to be your accountability, just being able to walk together in that vulnerability and and love and and not judging each other but standing by each other and being able to say hey i have sin you have sin mm-hmm. um we've been healed but there are many temptations many things trying to draw us back to those old ways so let's walk together in this uh in this accountability so that we're able to um stay in the light and um so we can pray for each other and uh, and so it it there's a real I think empowerment that comes from mm-hmm. doing it together. Yeah, absolutely. Because we get to remind each other, um, and that's where it is great to say, "Hey, oh, I had a habit come up, but instead of like there being so much shame because something surfaced, to be able to say, "Hey, will you remind me what we prayed or?" Remind me what I told you about that healing or remind me of the testimonies I've already had and and just not being afraid to say, hey, I, I tripped today and, you know, um, taking each other by the hand and walking. Yes. And I think another aspect, too, is to realize that when we get a healing in our soul, um, you know, because we're not getting rid of something bad, we're reconciling what is always meant to be we get to start exploring um what we now have access to and letting that be um our focus i know a lot of times it can be i went 22 days without doing this and that's so awesome to have that as a testimony but i think even greater is this is what i found in this place i didn't have access to this was the antidote this was the opposite 
that I'm walking and now I don't even think about tripping up now because I'm so focused on what I have access to now. And so really allowing that antidote, if you, you know, the wound was related to fear, you now have the antidote of awe. And so that was a big one for me. So I, I would ask the Lord to help me find awe every day. Like I'm asking for my daily bread of awe instead of asking for my daily bread of not messing up. Can't that just become so much our focus? It's like, okay, I saw this and the victory is now. I'm going to see how long I cannot do it, you know, and and asking for daily bread of that. But the awesome thing is we already know we have daily bread of deliverance. And so we can ask him every day, would you deliver me from the familiar things that are going to come or would you deliver me from the habits, um, which may mean talking to somebody and having accountability, or it may mean he shows you in the light a situation you shouldn't enter into, so you you don't, and that's how you walk it through, or just getting to experience him. Like when I ask for my daily bread of awe, can't even, there's just too much to tell you all the incredible things that happen. So There you go. Yes. Yeah. So then we have one more question, which I think is really two, essentially, and, and we'll um, explore both of those. But one, you know, we had mentioned suicide a few weeks ago, as that had been, you know, kind of uh, prevalent in, in our nation, for sure. Um, but, like, really, the question is, how do you minister to someone who's suicidal? And... Uh, and especially when you kind of can feel their hopelessness and, and that kind of thing. And so I think what I would say, and, and I um, I am very familiar with suicide and that um, it was very um, present in my family, in the, the family that I came from. And so it's, it's something I've um, gotten to explore numerous times and really wanted to... Um, be near God's heart about that. And uh, so I think the first thing is when somebody's struggling, I think so often we try to talk someone of, out of how they're feeling. And so we can kind of tell them all the reasons why they shouldn't feel that way without maybe the fullness of compassion that they probably don't want to feel this way. They don't know why they feel this way. And that's why they need us as an advocate for them to be praying for them. So if you know someone that, you know, maybe has that that draw to uh, suicidal thoughts or, um, you know, just compellings, that kind of thing, there's some ways to pray and some things to realize. And I think, you know, on the hopelessness side, what we can really realize um and we had this come in as a question. I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but heart, hope deferred makes a heart sick. Hope fulfilled brings life. And how that word in Hebrew really translates to trust. Um, so trust, when we don't trust Him, we grow heart sick. When we do trust Him, we find life. And so I think whenever there's hopelessness, there's really a place where somebody either has stopped trusting the Lord you know, has put something of man on the Lord or just hasn't known him in that way that he's trustworthy or he's faithful. And so that might be the first place we can pray is, Papa, would you, in your light, would you show me why they don't trust you, you know, or why um, they don't think 
your goodness is for them or however he might show you, you know, it's, it's definitely not a formula, but his light is so powerful. And to be able to ask on their behalf and really recognize that they can't ask right now when, when there's that point of despair and there is hopelessness, they need an advocate, they need a champion, they need someone that's praying for them. And I still know that sometimes when we're praying, we feel like we're not doing enough. And there is the, let me go convince them that they could feel differently. But prayer avails much, so, so much. And so we can be asking Papa, how did they lose trust in you? Or why have they never been able to trust you? Or um, who hurt them that caused them to think there's no way out, that they can never be free? Or, um, or... What causes them to believe that something they did was so bad they can never be redeemed of it or or that kind of thing? Um, heartbreak is a huge uh, key in this. I just last year had a very dear friend from my childhood that um, died through suicide and, you know, not getting to, to be involved in the story uh, leading up to it, but just you know, getting to to have some of the stories shared with me, there was just, you know, there can be heartbreak, I know, that just causes someone to feel like um, if this person feels this way about them, no one can ever feel differently about them. There's just, you know, so many factors in it, but it's really, I think, calling in the light. Um, you yourself being so convinced of who the Lord is to you, and inviting him to be that to the person, you know, to deliver them, to comfort them, to whatever it is he shows you they feel they're lacking, that he could come in and be that in their life, um, I think is crucial. And then I think also realizing the season that we're in, whatever season that is, whenever it is, that sometimes a person is feeling something and it's sewn into the atmosphere in such a way that it becomes so heavy to them. They think it's only them. They don't know that there are a lot of people feeling that way or there's a, a scheme of the enemy to cause people to feel this way, to get them, you know, to take their own life and that kind of thing that we can be praying about what's happening around the person and, and just even forgiving them for taking the burdens of the world on themselves to the point that they can't see just this bit that they they could give to the Lord and that kind of thing. And I think just really having a compassionate place, I think it can be hard if you've never felt that way. Um, That's one reason I've talked to the Lord a lot about it, because I haven't, um, other than one postpartum (laughs) uh, time uh, with one of the kids afterwards, I that has not been something I've struggled with. And so I, I really need to ask for understanding for someone who is going through it and not just, uh, like I said, try to talk them out of how they're feeling because I haven't felt that way. But really be able to let the Lord show me how that person's feeling so I can pray for them fully and, and speak um, when he shows, you know, shows me too. Yes, and the light will reveal many things that yeah. that might take the story uh, wider. And it's possible that <clears throat> you do have witchcraft in the area. It's mm-hmm. possible that there is defilement in the land. 
um, it's possible that this is generational and mm -hmm. their grandparent or great-great-grandparent or someone in that family had the same situation. Was there a, a covenant that the family made? Um, was there a broken covenant that, that was in the family? And all of these things are potential uh, factors that you want you want Papa to reveal in the light so that you can uh, dismantle those and um, and surround people. So it's part of it is behind the scenes. Part of it is our interactions with that person, loving them, um, and uh, and I think one of the big things is 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 working with Papa to um, to restore choice to this person because it is I think very common that suicide feels like the only choice. Mm -hmm. And um, when choice is restored, then they see, wait, there is something more. And so God is love, and love always trusts. God is love, and love always hopes. And the, the trust and the hope inside of them, when it's God, it's a perfect trust, and it's a perfect hope. And so we, uh, we get to minister to that and while dismantling the strongholds that would um, that would really uh, be like a gravitational pull towards something dark. Um, and choice choice comes back. Yeah, and I think not taking the responsibility on yourself to save this person, but to be God's charity to that person, because that's what God's charity is. That's Gamel in Hebrew. And it's where he reaches out with one hand to say, you don't have to stay there. But with the other hand, and the other hand is a sword with which he's separating light from dark so the person can actually see what they're choosing. Like Pa was saying, sometimes we're telling someone, don't feel that way, or you can just come out, come over here, and they don't know what they're coming to, and all they can see is that darkness. So for us, as, as the priests on earth, to recognize we can separate light from dark so the person can really see what they're choosing. And we can pray that, Papa, with this prayer, you know, and you can forgive the person. You can forgive them for hopelessness or not trusting or, um, you know, those kind of things, whatever he shows you. And then, and now I just ask you to, to show them their choice and fullness, Lord, and, and just to really be able to do that. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes that person just needs to know somebody knows what happened to them. Somebody knows what they went through that they've never told anyone that, um, or they told someone and that person that they told in that moment didn't get it, didn't understand the seriousness of it, uh, you know, because we can do that. Well, that happened to me and I'm not struggling, but we all, we're all different. And we all display different portions of him. So we're going to display the wound and the pain differently too. And so not taking that for taking for granted, thinking we, we all feel the same when something happens to us. So really the Lord will reveal that in his light. We have such power through his light and his forgiveness and his truth. And so I think that's significant to really know he can tell us. And sometimes he may have us be the one that says, you know, we've heard those stories so many times. Somebody said something and it reminded the person of of some special moment or or the moment when there was pain and the Lord can come and minister to them. And it just takes one word sometimes. And them knowing that only God could have told us 
that thing and and so much that's what saves us is knowing that he cares Mm -hmm. that he knows and he would care enough to tell another person for us so yes and then i think the second aspect of it of the question or the second part of it was you know when somebody um can't see maybe that they're trusting themselves instead of trusting the lord that they've put the whole burden for their life on themselves how do you minister to that? Um, how do you pray for somebody who might be resisting the truth or, or thinking they've got to do this on their own? And I think it comes back to trust in that question too. But yeah, sometimes people, um, sometimes these things are blind spots, and um, and so light can reveal that to the person, um, and uh, and. If you're assessor for that person, Papa may give you some key, some keys and things to dismantle mm-hmm. for that person. Uh, of course, when somebody is is hostile to something that God is clearly saying is the truth, um, then there's a deception that's taking place, and and whoever that assessor is might be called of God to dismantle that deception and ask God to intervene with truth, and that's the intervention uh, prayer that we've had since uh, T1. But um, but just being able to um, be that rescue that um, that the person needs because God is trusting us to participate in that rescue. And so uh, there's numerous ways that can happen, but um, if you ask Papa in the light of his presence, he can show you and uh, you can respond accordingly. Yeah, and I think especially if it's someone um, close to you in your life and you feel like, um, you know, your prayers aren't having impact. And and I think sometimes more it can be the person's not listening to us. Um, But there's some some things to explore. First of all, is this person in your field? Is this someone who the Lord is giving you seed and water and nutrients and fertilizer and a sickle for? Or um, is he inviting you to call? the people to their field, you know, and we've seen such amazing testimony in that praying and then being like, Oh, wait, Lord, are they in my field? No, they're not. Okay. I repent for standing in that, you know, the gate of the field. And I just call forth their intercessors that you have, um, trusted, uh, with this person. And then all of a sudden you start hearing stories about, yeah, this person came all of a sudden and said they've been praying for me and that meant so much to me. And then they gave me this word and it really changed my life. And it can be like, well, why would they listen to them and not to me? It's not about being right. It's about responding. And if if the response is, hey, activate those intercessors, that's what we're going to do. And, uh, and we just celebrate the testimony. So I think that's uh, really significant. And then just really... Uh, knowing that you have God's heart for this person, and this is something we're going to talk about in depth at August Rush, but making sure you have the Lord's heart for that person, especially if it's someone near to you and somebody that may have hurt you through the resistance that's there or you know trying to take care of things on their own, uh, that kind of thing, but really giving Him the opportunity to speak on that and even just minister to your own heart. Are you believing this person can't change that they will never choose or never see or never hear, never, you know, those kind of, all the nevers and nevers. Um, You really want to get your heart 
ministered to by the Lord so you can really hear what He's saying and know that you're not playing from a, praying from a place of frustration or hurt or pain, that kind of thing. Yeah. Amen. All right, so that's all our questions. Ta-da! And that was really fun. Thank you guys for sending questions. We're really glad um, we got to do that. We are and, glad uh, we got to sure do that. sure we'll do it again sometime. Yes, we will. Yeah, so we will talk with you next week. And yes. that, that may be our last podcast before... The building? August Rush, I don't know. We'll oh. see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I don't even know what day it is really, so it's July. We might have a couple more, but... Yes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. That's what we know. That's what we know. <laughs> All right. Love you. Thanks for listening. Love you, love you. Bye-bye. <laughs>